<laughs> Where's Paul? Oh, he is in here. I didn't think he was in here. <laughs> this will be my last service. It was nice knowing all of you. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. Whew, no nasty Kool-Aid today. Sorry. We had nasty Kool-Aid last week, right? Yeah, no nasty Kool-Aid today. We're going we're gonna to jump in. We're going to continue what we talked about yesterday. We're going to pray first, okay? Let's do that. The video kind of threw me off. I got a little prancy, so I got to... Can't be prancy talking to God, you know. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Father, that you are true. Everything else is a lie. Everything that comes from you is truth. We thank you, Father. We tender our ground now to hear from you. We ask you to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. We'll know the hope of your calling. We'll see the riches of the glory of your inheritance that you've left us as your saints. And we'll experience the exceeding greatness of your power that you have given towards us. Father, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody doing good, huh? What's up? So, y'all know what I do on Monday through Saturday, Sunday in the afternoons, right? Huh? P.E. coach. No. Uh, I'm a banker. And part of, uh, there's these, there's these things that you learn as you're a banker and you get in the finance, you find about the five C's. Y'all probably don't know what the five C's are, but they have to do your cash credit, your character, you know, capacity. And one of the C's is something called collateral. Have any of you ever gone to the bank to get a loan and the banker looks across the desk and goes, well, I'm just going to need some collateral. And what is the collateral? Do y'all know? Stuff. Stuff that you pledge, what you're doing is you're pledging things that have equity in them. Equity is just another word for cash. It's just the cash is not in your pocket. The cash is in something else because you paid for it. It's already yours. It's 100% equitable. And so you use the equity in this thing to pledge on the loan to entice the banker to give you more money so that you can go do whatever it is that you need to do because you need to get that equity out of that thing. Part of the process whenever we have this collateral to be added to a loan, part of the process is we must appraise the collateral that we're going to use. Have you ever heard this term appraise before where you get an appraisal, which is a piece of paper that says what something is worth. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. As we find ourselves and identify ourselves with Christ, part of that is learning not only who you are, but what you are and the value added to you inside the kingdom of God. So on this appraisal, whenever we get this appraisal, and I'll use a house because it's the simplest form and probably the one that most of us have at least seen maybe once or twice in our lifetime. An appraisal on a house has three what we call approaches, okay? One of the approaches is called a cost approach, which says this is what the house is. If you were to build the house today, this is what it would cost you to build this same house today. If it's not a brand new house, if it's something that's, that's older and been around for a little bit. The second approach is called an income approach. If this house was to become an income-producing piece of property, like a rent house, how much would that be and how much would it be worth from that approach? The last one is what's called a sales approach. Now, this is pretty much where the appraiser, the banker, and everybody puts their attention to. Why? Because that tells you what the thing is actually 
worth. Now, how do we know that that is what that house is worth? Because the appraiser does something really elegant in here. The appraiser will come in and compare your property to other properties that have sold within the area with a particular time frame. See, because something is only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. Now, uh, that's, that's just, let's, let's settle on that because those, those comparable appraisals or those comparable sales that he looks at or she looks at, those comparable sales tell them that similar houses in the area have sold for this. And since they've sold for it, somebody's given you money for it. Somebody has offered up a price for it. Somebody has paid for it. Then whatever it is that they paid for that particular thing, that's what it's worth because somebody's willing to pay for it. You remember Tesla's car, Tesla cars, everybody? No Tesla. When they first came out, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, they're expensive. I mean, the first one I was ever associated with was $130,000. That's a expensive car. That's a lot of car. And this has been five, six years ago. You know, I mean, it's been a minute. And, I mean, $130,000 is a lot of money. But this was whenever trucks, I mean, the, a truck that you would pay $85,000 for today, you were probably paying fifty-five dollars or sixty for it back then. So, I mean, we're talking about $130,000, which is, you know, that's, that's a house. And I'm looking at the thing. I said, that, that car ain't worth that. It's not worth that. Well, by George, it is because somebody is willing to what? Pay for it. Uh, I'm kind of a, a geek, a nerd, uh, whatever you want to say. Yeah, yeah. And I like, uh, I, like, I like to look back on nostalgic toys. He-Man, Transformers, you know. Stuff that's important. <laughs> and you know these things are worth like thousands of dollars. Like if I still had my original He-Man like in the, in, the, in the package, like that dude's worth a whole lot of money. Why? Because there are people out there ignorant enough to pay thousands of dollars for that thing. That means that that's what it's worth because somebody's willing to pay for it. Let's go to First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 if we can. Because when we, when we begin to delve into who we are in Christ and who we ha- what we have in Christ and all that and finding your identity, you remember last week we said that identity, the, ori- the, the origin of the word, means to be the same, that we need to see ourselves to be the same as Jesus. And so if we take a look at this thing and start to delve even deeper, this is First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed, which means paid for with corruptible things like silver and gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Next verse. Verse 19. But you were paid for. That's what it's talking about. What are you worth? What is it that, that's been paid for you? But you were paid for, but with the paid, paid for with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So you have to really take a te- second to think about what you are truly worth in the kingdom of God. Our worth in the kingdom of God was worth the most precious thing that God had. The most precious thing that he held on to. The most precious thing. Precious thing. (laughs) And whenever we use the term precious, we're not talking about like, oh, that's a precious little baby. Or cute. When he's using this term precious, this term precious means valuable, costly, costly. Now, I know y'all know the story of Jesus, but I think it appropriate 
that we spend a little bit of time on the, on the transaction that took place that day. That morning, he was beat, first thing. Beat to a pulp. Not just, eh. It was, eh. No, these were grown soldiers that were trained by the Roman army to do one thing. And that was to whoop a man to a point to where he would stop breathing. Now, I don't know if any of y'all have taken a beating before. But it takes a lot to get a man to beat him so much that he will stop breathing. And we're talking about a grown man. We're talking about Jesus was 33 years old. He was 33 years old. He had been a carpenter carpenter his entire life. And for the last three and a half years had walked most of the known earth. He slept outside. He pooped outside. He ate outside. This was a grown man. A heart, I mean, I'm talking like not, the stuff that you see in Jesus of Nazareth from the the 80s, you know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be that. No. We're talking about a grown man here. We're not talking about, like Paul says, a bearded woman. We're talking about a man's man. And these soldiers were trained to a point to where they were, they were trained to a point to where they could beat a man with a whip so much that he would cease to breathe. So on that morning, on that day, for the cost of our sin, the first thing he did that day was took that beating. The Bible says that by his stripes or by his wounds we have been healed. During that time, the healing that was required, the price that was paid, the price that was required to pay for the healing that we enjoy today was laid upon him at that time by these men. Grown Roman soldiers beating the most perfect being that's ever existed and ever will, who had done no wrong. And he took this beating. After he took the beating... They sprawled him out and showed him out to, again to Pontius Pilate. He got to see Pontius one more time. They threw the cross on him and said, you need to tote this thing. He couldn't even tote it. We're talking about a grown man, 33 years old, had been beaten to such a point that he could not walk. He had to get somebody to help him. A man came up to help him. When they get to the, the, the top of the mountain, Calvary, whatever, Golgotha, whatever you want to call it, when they get to this mountain, to this point where they're going to sacrifice and and crucify this man who had done absolutely no wrong. They got him up there. They laid him down on the cross, and they took nails, and they drove these spikes into his wrists or his hands and into his hands. Now, we're talking about, I, I I don't know if any of you, have any of you ever been cut before by a knife? Have you ever been stabbed before? Had something to go into your body that's not supposed to be there. It's excruciating. Every nerve in your body feels what's going on. All of your attention is on that one spot. They drove nails into the hands of a man who had done no wrong. They drove nails into one nail into his feet, put his feet on top of each other. They lifted him up on the cross. Now, whenever you end, end up on a cross, whenever you're crucified up on a cross, it does not. the cross and the nails are not what kills you. What kills you is you suffocate under your own weight of your own body. 
because you're 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 hanging and you have your arms stretched out and hanging and for and and your feet are together and for a moment of time you're able to push up to where you could take a breath and then you have to let yourself back down unless you're strong enough to hold yourself up and all of us men in here and women that are strong and we think we're strong people you're holding yourself up you know at least 180 you know 175 160 pounds Holding it up. I mean, somebody like me, I'm too fitty, so, you know, be a little bit more. So our Savior had to pull himself. Now, remember, we've got spikes drove into our hands. We have them driven into our feet. We have to push up with our legs. We have to pull up with our arms to take a breath. This is the price that was paid. Let me not even finish there. Let's continue. All the stuff happens, he cries out, it is finished, he gives up his ghost. After that, he spends the next three days, the Bible says, in the belly of the earth, which is where? Hell. Completely removed from the presence of God altogether. No God. Now, he has been with God since time began. In the beginning, he was there. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is John chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was with him at the beginning. When God said, let there be light, he heard him say it from the beginning. The Bible even says that he was the lamb that was slain before time began. He had never been separated from God till that moment. Spent three days in hell. And then on the third day rose again in all his power and his glory. That's the price that was paid for you. You want to know what you're worth? You look at yourself in the mirror in the morning. You hear people tell you, especially young folks telling you, you ain't no good and you ain't worth nothing. No, I'm sorry. You are worth the most precious thing in the universe was paid for you 2,000 years ago. Do not ever, ever disrespect the price that was paid for you. You are worth the precious, priceless blood of Jesus Christ. You are the crowning creation that God has made. And he looks at you and says they're perfect in every way. So in, 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 in the spirit realm, if they were to do an appraisal on us, what would somebody pay for it? You'll find out that our value is the precious blood of Jesus because that's what was paid for us. There were stripes that were laid for us. There was a body that was beaten for us. There was a, there was a, there was a man that, that died for us and went straight to hell for us. Now, whenever he got down there, it was kind of kind of what known like it was it was it was on like a chicken bone. The Bible says that he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He whooped up on the devil while he was down there, brought back the keys to hell in the grave, and said, "Look, I got it, guys. Y'all go to go tell everybody, go tell everybody what I did." The precious, where my scripture go? With the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish. Payment that was made. And I don't know why I'm sitting. I'm, I'm going to sit on this for a minute because, I, I, you know, in our, in our lives, we, we have a tendency to really, really, really downplay ourselves. 
we have a tendency to really give ourselves a hard time. I say this a lot. Sometimes I'll be talking to people, like if I'm if I'm counseling with with Angel, we'll say, "And Angel, you need you need to give Angel a, a break. She's doing good. She's not doing bad." You know. I mean, sometimes we give ourselves a harder time than we do other people around us. I mean, and and I think it's worth the time and worth the 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 moment to reflect on what's been paid for you, for you. Not for us as a whole, but but you. Not just for the body of Christ, but for you personally. The Bible tells us in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. After you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and accept this sacrifice that was made and say, yes, he made that sacrifice for me, you get to participate in all of his righteousness going forward. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. So now when we go to God and we stand before God and and God's trying to, you know, God's looking upon us. When he sees us, he sees the price that was paid, which is the precious blood of Jesus. He can't see anything but the blood when he looks at us. God, the the judge of the universe, looks at you and goes, huh, they're great. Why? Because of that price that was paid. Y'all okay? Yahweh, baby. Yahweh. Uh, Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, and we'll talk a little bit more about where we are because of what's been paid. Okay, can we do that? Do y'all mind? I I didn't have my Bible open. I'm sorry. I'm just unprepared today and didn't have my Bible ready. I apologize for those of you that are ready to go. This is Colossians chapter 3. Now you'll find in Colossians that that Paul, whenever he was talking to the church at Colos, I guess. Is that how you say that? Because you know you got the different churches. The, the, the books of the, These books of the Bible, these letters, the epistles are written to churches and they're named after the churches that they were sent to. Like the church at Corinth is the Corinthians, the church at Ephesus is Ephesians. I think it's Colos, is that right? That Colossians was written to. Anyhow, Paul's writing this thing, and you'll find out that whenever you start reading the book of Colossians, you'll see a lot of a lot of similarities to the book of Ephesians, which is my absolute, other than Romans chapter 8, well, they're kind of the same, but, you know, Ephesians is my book, that's my book, you know, Paul kind of stays out of it because that's my book, right, Paul? Yeah, see, Paul stays out of it. In Ephesians, in Ephesians the apostle Paul actually does talk about you know, the process of, of what we just spoke of, that, 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 that this great exchange where Jesus took his identity and he engrafted his identity upon you and how that thing works. Well, you see the same process and some of the same words and wording in Colossians. So I'm going to read Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, and, and I'm going to kind of keep going, and I'm just going to kind of just, just let, it, let it kind of, I want you to listen to it. I mean, it's some good stuff up in here, and I know none of y'all got up and read this this morning. And you probably didn't read it yesterday, yeah. And and you probably didn't read it last week either. Be my my guess, you know. But anyway, we'll just look at. So you might have read. Those of you that did read it, you can leave. You have a good day. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If then you were raised up with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Last week we talked about that we were crucified with him. And no longer I that live, but, but Christ who lives in me. I use the distilled Bible, which is one of my favorites. The distilled Bible says that, that I've count myself as dead, and my existence is simply Jesus using my body. Right? And so that's the life that we have now as Christians. That's the identity. That's who we are. We're a bunch of little Jesuses running around. The king of kings, the little K's, that's you. Hi. The Lord of lords, the little L, that's you. Hey. You're the one that's hands and feet of Jesus. Anyway. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Wow. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. If you take a look at this thing, it says set your mind on things above, not things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's hidden in him. Your life. I mean, are you, wait a minute. Let me read that again to y'all. Set your mind on things above. This is verse 2, not the things of the earth. Verse 3, for you died and your life, who you are, your life, the person that you look at every morning in the mirror trying to figure out who they are, their life, who that person is, your identity is found, your life is found and hidden with Christ in God. It's hidden there, not from you, but it's hidden for you. God has this richness of who you are, who you really are, who you're exactly supposed to be, what you're supposed to do with your life, where you're supposed to go in life. The richness of all of those dreams, hopes, and desires are hidden within Christ waiting for you to show up and figure out what they are. He's already made a way for you to do everything He needs you to do. He just simply needs you to figure out that, hey, the things of this earth, it even says don't even look at the world around you, but look up where Christ is. Why? Why do we have to look up where Christ is? Because if we start looking around the world, we'll start letting the things that we look at control us and start to tell us who we are, what we are, and how we're supposed to be. He doesn't want you listening to Netflix to figure out who you are. He doesn't want you trying to find some sort of self-help book that's out there. He wants you to find yourself in the Word of God, which is simply Jesus wearing a leather jacket, to find out in Christ who you are. Your life is found here. It's not found, it's not found out there. It's found here. This is where our life is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father but by me. So how do I get there? How do I find that life, Jesus? You find the life right here your life is found in me see now you have been engrafted I, I, I go to second corinthians chapter 5 uh, verse 17 we'll we'll do that real quick pull up the amplified version if, if you don't have it it's not a big deal you got it okay cool does it say it up here amplified you could tell it's real long it's got brackets and stuff so that's what up there no Okay, well, good. We'll do this one anyway. The Bible says, therefore, if any man or any person, anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The Amplified Bible says it this way. The Amplified Bible says, if anyone be engrafted into Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation altogether. Altogether a new creation. At the point where we say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life, you are engrafted into him, which means that 
Now, I'm not going to get into all the detail, and you have heard me talk about it before, but basically, you are the branch being put into the vine. You're put together with him. Did I say this last week? Okay, it feels familiar. It it just feels all, it's like deja vu moment for a second. I was like, I think I even did that. At this point, oh, look, see? And grafted in, joined to him by faith in him, the Savior. That's that's the new amplified. That's not the classic amplified, isn't it? I like see they got two amplified Bibles out there now. They got the classic, which is me. I like classics, and then they got the 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 new new one, the new amplified. It's 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 all. I mean, it's it's all over. It's hard to keep up with all my little versions and everything. But it still says that we are engrafted, that is grafted in, and joined to him by faith in him as Savior. At that point. We're engrafted into him and put into him. When that happens, now everything that you need to be and need to have to make you everything that God intended for you to be, everything, 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 which means all things, that you will need to do what it is that God has built you and made you to do, everything, All things are now in you, in him. Does that make sense? Those things have been put in you because you're in him. I listen to Mark Hankins a lot. Y'all know Mark Hankins? Probably not. Uh, Mark Hankins, uh, he's a preacher. He's down in Alexandria. He does a lot of traveling and stuff. He laughs a lot. He runs a lot. I mean, I saw him one time. I saw a film of him one time, and and, uh, he went to Dillard's to, to get some new preaching shoes. And uh, he's a lot of fun, too, you know. And he, he goes and gets his preacher shoes. He puts the shoes on. You know how you try on shoes? And he goes to running around. Woo! Like this, running around. And they're like, what you doing? He said, they're my preaching shoes. i got to make sure I can run in them. <laughs> anyway. Anyhow. Mark Hagens has a fantastic book. Um, uh, several of them. Um, that's called The Spirit of Faith. And, and in this book, he talks about the prepositions in the Word of God. Uh, Kenneth Hagin also has a little small book called In Him, and it kind of does some of the same things. Uh, there's a lot of Bible scholars over the years that said that the human language does not, or the, the English language, excuse me, the English language does not have the capacity to really, to really translate what the Bible's trying to tell us because our prepositions which is in, by, with, you know, the, our prepositions are weak. They're, they're, they're weak little words. And in fact, you'll find yourself, if you're reading stuff, you'll skim over them a little bit, you know, because in the, in the, I, I went, I went in the car. Well, well, in doesn't really mean that much to you. What means something to you is the car, right? Whenever you're reading stuff. And that's kind of the way we go. And so they said that the English language does not do a proper job of giving the proper weight to the prepositions, that the prepositions crumble under the weight of what they're supposed to carry through the word of God. And so I say all that to say that we are in Christ. So you have to stop for a minute when you're reading the word of God and says, if any man be in Christ or engrafted in the Christ, we can't just skip over being in Christ. We have to stop for a minute and look at that word in that you are actually 100% placed in him. In the spirit realm, that's where you reside and where you're at is in him. You've been placed in him. So if you find yourself and realize in yourself that, hey, 
that's where I'm at, then all the stuff I'm talking about starts to make a little bit of sense because now you see that you're not missing anything. Why? Because you're in him. You're not, there's nothing, there's, you, you got COVID? No, I don't have COVID. Why not? Because I'm in him. Can you pay your bills? Sure, I can pay my bills because I'm in him. You going to heaven when you die? Sure, I'm going to heaven when I die because I'm in him. I'm in him. And he's in me. When you look at us, there's no difference. There's nothing separating the two of us from each other. For you died. This is back. I'm back to Colossians verse 3, 3. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ. With him in God. You want to find out where your life is. Where in my life? What am I supposed to do? It is there in him. All right, verse 5, therefore put to death your members, which are on earth. Oh, these are good ones. These are good ones. Everybody paying attention? These are good, these are good ones. These are good ones to go over real quick. Yeah, it just talked about trying to find your life in him, but most of the time we try to find our life in this. Uh, fornication, I don't know what that is. Uh, uncleanliness, I don't know what that is. Passion, I don't know what that is. Evil desire, have no clue, never been that way. Covetousness, which is idolatry. I, I really don't know what he's talking about on there. But he does say that you're supposed to put those, put to death your members which are on the earth. And it says put to death all this stuff, which means to kill. Um, anyway, we'll go on. Okay, we won't stay long on that. But you kind of get where I'm coming from. Because we have a tendency as humans, when, when we feel like something missing, it's just been a rough, whew, been a rough day. Man, might want to go to one of them right up in there. Maybe. I don't know. Not me. No. no I know none of you either. No, because y'all been good your whole little lives. But uh, just talking about that. Yeah. Let's go back to verse uh, verse 3. Can we do that real quick? When you're feeling bad, that's where that's where you're supposed to find your life. See that? Verse 3. You died and your life is hidden with Christ. It doesn't say that your life is hidden in uh, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, even desire, covetousness. Yeah. All right. Just just making a point. I'm sorry. Apologize. Verse 6. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked whenever you lived in them. But now you yourselves are put off these things, which is anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, uh, blasphemy. Thank you. Filthy language out of your mouth. and Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man and his deeds. And have put on, check this out, have put on, what does it say? The new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of who? Him, that's a capital H, talking about Jesus, who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. If we really pay attention to what the Bible's telling us and what the Bible's trying to bring up, it covers all social issues that we're looking at today. It touches them all. If you really pay attention to what he's doing here. He says, but you're, the, you're supposed to put off some stuff, which is the old man and the old way we used to be. Anybody ever worn a jacket? Some of you, about four of you wouldn't want to do it. Four people, were, that's right, we in Louisiana, you don't ever put no jacket on. How about a life jacket? Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah. 
Anybody ever put on a life jacket before instead of just a, a regular coat? We put on a life jacket. All right. Are you wearing the life jacket right now? Why not? Because you took it off. That's why you ain't wearing it. You took it off. I mean, come on. Right? I, I know you're not in water. I know you don't need it. But, but that's not why you're not wearing it. You're not wearing it because you took it off. We have a process here. There was an old man that used to do the fornication and the uncleaning and the evil desires and all that stuff. He used to be a person, a man or woman, whatever you are, you know, that, eh, you know, I just had a bad day or really just a little reefer, you know. I mean, you know, that one. We're supposed to put that man, that person, who we used to be, is supposed to be put off of us, which means that God's not going to do it for you. When you took your life jacket off, you had to take it off yourself. God's not going to get all that stuff out of you. You're going to sit back, oh, Lord, just get rid of all this. No, he's not going to because he already did. He's waiting for you to take that mess off and set that mess down and get it off of you so you don't tote it everywhere you go no more. You with me? See, that's what it's talking about in here, that you're supposed to put all that off like your life jacket. You're not wearing it. Why? Why ain't you wearing it? Because you put it off. Thank you very much. That's what I'm talking about. Man, y'all learned something this morning. Y'all thought you wasn't wearing a life jacket because it wasn't no water. (laughs) Why ain't you wearing a life jacket? You had a life jacket on one time before? I did. Yes, I did. Well, why ain't you wearing it now? Because there's no water. That's just funny to me. I thought y'all were like... I guess my brain thinks weird. Verse 10. Verse 10. Verse 10. Verse 10, because we're out of time. We've got to go. Is, who's, who's clothed this morning has clothes on? Why do you have clothes on? Because you put them on, right? Yeah, because there ain't no water. Dang, man, this has been fun this morning. It's been nice. Shoot. So we got clothes on because we put them on this morning, right? Which meant that you had to physically do something. You had to make a decision this morning that you wasn't going to show up naked. No, 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 no. no don't. I, I ain't being funny. I'm being for real. You made a decision that I ain't going outside naked. So... Because I'm not going to go outside naked, I'm going to put on my clothes. Right? I mean, simplest way of putting the transaction. And so since I didn't want to be naked outside, I put my clothes on. That's, that's why I'm dressed today. We are to put on a new person. That has everything that we need in life and we have to consciously think about when we get up in the morning that I got to put the life jacket on and I got to put my clothes on because I don't want to be naked walking around this life. If I don't put on my new man, my new identity, who I am in Christ, if I don't put it on, I will walk this earth without what I need to succeed. You'll be walking around naked in the spirit. 
<laughs> There's been so many messages that I wanted to preach talk about being naked, but I just can't do it. I think I can do it here. Why not? Verse 10. You have put on the new man, which is what? Renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created that man. So what it's saying is, is you back up. You're put on a new man who is renewed in knowledge. And that knowledge, that thought process, that information that you're renewed to is according to the image of Jesus who created you to begin with. That's the image of Him. You put on the identity of Christ. If you don't put on the identity of who you are in Christ, you will walk around completely nude. Exposed to the elements. And then you wonder why you're sick. Then you wonder why your checkbook bounces. It's like being outside and somebody says, oh, you ain't got no clothes on. And you're like, what do you mean I ain't got no clothes on? (laughs) Well, you're naked. You ain't got no clothes on. What do you mean? What are you talking about? I don't understand. And then you get a ticket because they ain't going to let you walk around mending naked. They're going to pick you up and put you in jail because you're silly. And you're sitting there trying to figure, I don't understand why I'm in jail. I just don't understand what's going on here. God, why don't you do something about this? And yeah, everybody's standing around looking at you going, well, you naked, put on some clothes. Put your clothes on. Don't be walking around nude. But we do it in the spirit all the time. There are Christians all over the world today, right now, sitting in church, right now, trying to figure out why they're sick. And trying to blame it on God who laid stripes on Jesus to make sure that you don't have to be sick no more. And you can't figure out why stuff ain't going right. It's because you ain't got your clothes on. You have not put on the new person whom you are. Who go to go to Philemon six. Yeah, oh yeah, everybody's like, what? There's a book in there. Philemon or Philemon. Fiberbond, yeah. Fiberbond chapter six. <laughs> Look at this right here. And I, I promise I'm finna go. If y'all gotta go, get out of here. I get it. Because I, I got I got places to be too. This is Philemon, it's only one chapter. Okay, verse 6, Philemon, 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 Pahilman, Pilemon, Pilemon, Pahilemon. I feel like I'm, never mind. Look at this. Let's get through this. Can we get through this? Yeah. You waiting on me, huh? That the sharing of your faith may become effective. Now, how would it be if all of a sudden your faith was effective? How would it be if all of a sudden your faith became effective? Which means that it causes an effect when you use it. Oh, wow. That the sharing of your faith, when you share, when your faith come out your mouth, 
When you start telling people who you are, whose you are, and what you got in Christ, when you begin to put on a new man and say, I ain't going to walk around this place naked no more. I'm going to show who I am and tell who I am through my new identity in Christ. When you begin to share that faith, it becomes effective. How? By acknowledging every good thing that is in you in him. Amplified Bible, did I give you that one? I'm going to read it to them. Check this out. Philemon 6. And I pray that the participation in and the sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in our identification with Christ and His glory. The sharing of your face will produce, promote, full recognition, appreciation, understanding, and precise knowledge of every good thing. The sharing of your faith. Simply saying what the Bible says that you are Simply saying what the Bible says that you have. And simply saying what the Bible says that you're worth. By doing those things, the knowledge of all those good things come evident to you. They produce full recognition in you that is everything that is yours in identification with Christ. See, there's something we got. There's a transaction that has to happen on our part. It ain't all on God. I know he gets aggravated. My Lord, I know I do. And I might be wrong, Lord. You correct me if I'm wrong. But I know he gets aggravated because we blame him for everything. I mean, insurance policies say act of God. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I mean, when I read that in insurance policy, it's like I hear the Holy Spirit go, oh. Because it ain't him. There's a transaction that we have to go through all the time. James called it the saving of the soul. Your mind has to be renewed to who you are, what you are, and what you got. Because if not, everything else in the world is going to tell you what you not got, and what to, you ain't no good, and you ain't worth the flip, and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. You're going to hear that all the time. You're going to walk out of here, and somebody's going to flip you off. I mean, it's just that's the life we live in right now. That's the way it's going to be. I'm not going to flip you off in the church. I'll do it in a parking lot. Anyway. I'll just wait till we get in the parking lot, Paul. Okay? It's my last service. I'm just wearing it out. Yes, sir. I got you. I know y'all need to go. We have a responsibility every day to put on who we really are. If you don't put on your identity in Christ, if you don't place upon you all the promises that he said are yours, if you don't grab just one, maybe two scriptures a day and say, this is who I am and this is what I have, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new. That's one we had this morning. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He made him who, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ right now today. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to go get it. I don't have to try to be something. That is what I am. I'm not trying to be anything. I am that. 
and begin to put on that identity of Christ, now the sharing of your faith becomes effective. And now you're walking through this life victorious. You're walking through this life with no issues. And when the issues do come up, they ain't no problem. You want to know why? Because I know who I am in Christ and I know what to do right now because the Bible tells me to lay hands. My Bible, the Bible tells me to speak to it. The Bible tells me that I'm supposed to pray and ask God to do something about it. It's just all, 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 100% of it is in here to tell you how to do your life and do it the right way. If we put that on every single day, oh gosh. You quit doing church real quick. You quit just showing up in here on Sundays just to show up in here to say that you win. You start coming up in here to try to figure out what it is that God wants you to do next week. And the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. It becomes a whole new transaction for you. Now it's just not coming to church. Now it's living a life. Let's all stand because we got to go. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, God, that you are really, 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 really good to us. We thank you, Lord, that as we apply your word and do your word and put on this new person that we are, put on our identity, who we are in you, that you begin to show up and show out like you promised that you would. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that? Say it. Bye.